Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. 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 Jackson, I'm buying time because my phone was ringing from my Microsoft security to get into my email. It's okay. I wouldn't have even noticed. Yeah, no, that's how professional I am. What do you think about the show open only mentioning me? I just noticed that. I don't really usually listen, to be honest with you. That's fine. Sounds like you're mad. I've never heard you so mad right now. No, I don't. doesn't bother me at all. You know, that's just how it is sometimes. Then why do you keep going to management asking for your name to be in the billboard? <laughs> that's what I do. Religiously, at eleven eleven oh five, I go there and I demand that my name. I got to tell you something. Be on the show. Here's a brief anecdote. Sure. Uh, by the way, before I go into the brief anecdote, this is kind of QFTA right now, where we're going to have to leave like little crumbs to remember where I went with Hansel and Gretel. Uh, we're giving away tickets today to the final Blues home game. 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Blues' final home game of the season. The Blues welcome the Dallas Stars to Enterprise Center on Wednesday night, and 101 ESPN wants to send you to the game. Text us at 314-399-9646 for your chance to score a pair of tickets to the Blues' final home game of the season on Wednesday night against the Stars. So, Jackson, are you going to have unilateral control? Yeah, yeah. If my name's not going to be on the show, then... You it, want it to be control of I the... I better, yeah. That's part of the deal I kiss Jackson's out. ass and say his name should be front and center on this show. <laughs> it should be the Piddles Balloon Party. <laughs> oh, wow. That would be great. Uh, text into win Blues tickets. Uh, Jackson will be awarding those. Jeremy Rutherford with us at 1045. So, with regards to show names and how ego can sometimes rear its ugly head in this industry... I was uh, kind of during my free agency, Jackson, much, uh, much covered free agency a couple of years ago, uh, and it and it probably deserved more coverage, candidly. Right. Um, I was in one of the places I was talking with one of the people I was working with said, "Do you mind if my name goes first and your name goes second? And right then I go, "It doesn't matter whose name's where. The fact that you even think about that means we probably wouldn't work well together." Right. Right. It's. Totally unimportant, really, in the grand scheme of things. But it just kind of speaks to right. this terrible major I decided to pursue 25 years ago at the University of Missouri. I digress. We're giving away blues tickets, and uh, we have Jeremy Rutherford and Jackson. You have the what? Oh, today is the it's, uh, Monday tradition, the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. That's what I got. For All right, fair enough. I hit him. I mean, hit me. I went with rapid fire because I'm, sure. I'm I'm loaded for bear. Because to me, sure. when you got 
the Masters, you got the Cardinals, they can't pitch, but they also now can't hit. Uh, the Blues are wrapping things up. Uh, you got the Dogs losing 3 nothing, uh, and apparently an effort to get the Ravioli Boys thing to counter the Dogs thing, which I was not aware of until recently, so I'm, if anything, flattered by that. Uh and because uh, anything that starts off as a joke on TMA that requires a counteroffensive <laughs> is flattering. And, uh, and then the Battle Hawks with the first ever overtime win as they fight for the playoffs in the XFL with what? How many more home games? Uh, one more home game, two more games total. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we got, we got so much. It's really your choice. It's a Sadie Hawkins, Jackson. You, what, are you, what are you leading with here? Redbirds. Redbirds. Cardinals had a rough weekend, only getting one win on their first road trip of the season up to Milwaukee as they sit in last place in the division. What are some of the most glaring weaknesses for the Redbirds so far? How soon until you think they right the ship and start winning? Well, they get a chance to play some friendlier opposition here starting this evening at Coors Field. Yeah. Uh, and then a, a four-game stop from the Pirates, fresh off of losing O'Neill Cruz for a long period of time after his slide into home against the White Sox this weekend makes it uh, what you would think would be at absolute worst in a week in which they play seven games, three against the Rockies and four against the Pirates, at least four wins. And if it's not, wow. Right. Uh, They did play three legitimate playoff contenders to start the season, two potential world championship contenders. I don't know if the Brewers would be one, but they have the most wins in the National League at the moment. Yeah, if if you have a a three and four or two and five week this week, at that point, then I'm going to go, okay, you got half the month in of the season and you've played some bad teams and now you got that going. That's a problem. So with that said, of course, starting pitching continues to be an issue. If you had a playoff game right now, who would you hand the ball to? I guess Jordan Flair. Montgomery, right? More Montgomery or Flaherty, yeah. Um, but Jack Flaherty continues to have control issues, and that's just kind of dancing with the devil on on that. Uh, the Miles Michaelis thing is certainly concerning. Stephen Matz has a chance to right the ship against the Rockies, but he's doing it at Coors Field. And now the offense is struggling. And i got to tell you something. I'm usually not criticize the manager guy. I just feel like it's it's, it's an easy thing to do. It's especially in the postseason, managers get blamed for everything. It's just kind of whatever. And I feel like in St. Louis, more often than not, managers get blame when it's players. With that said, I was really surprised by Ali Marmol in the eighth inning yesterday, uh, electing to go with Taylor Motter, pinch hitting for Brendan Donovan, also with the options he had with Carlson there. Um and then it just wasn't a good week for Ali Marmol no, across the board. Week. When you go back to the, the Tyler O'Neill thing, so that's you know it's carrying over from Game One of the Wild Card series against the Phillies. Eh, just the first time I'm ever going, whoa, what we got going on here? And maybe it's a nothing, but it's just it's the first time I'm kind of given pause to that situation and thought. What the hell we got going on here? Um, so, Jackson, I, I would imagine that the starting pitching has to get better, mainly because I don't know if it can get worse. Right. And Paul Goldschmidt and Arnado are hitting for average, just not power, and the Cardinal clutch hitting is certainly low. What we have going on with Jordan Walker is incredible. But uh, across the board right now, you have the team not hitting and also struggling with starting pitching, and that's going to lead to the kind of record that they have. Yep. And that is a rough start to the season, 3-6. Yeah. and six. yeah, the hit the 
hitting with runners in scoring position has been, especially Milwaukee, was was rough. It was not lots of opportunities. The Brewers converted theirs. The Cardinals did not, and that's how you have losing two or three, and making it another series in which the Cardinals struggle one and five in their last six. Yeah, and you kind of answered my next question, which what are some encouraging things you've seen? From the Cardinals, Jordan Walker. I mean, yeah, he's got the hitting streak, and it's record tying with Ted Williams. Anytime you're doing anything to tie up with Ted Williams, it's a great thing. But it's how hard he hits the ball, even if they're outs. That is something else. That's carrying over from spring training, and uh, it's been something to witness. And then you just take a step back, and you don't necessarily focus on three and six, and certainly legitimate starting pitching concerns. And you go, man, this guy's only 20, and he's in his second full week of Major League Baseball. He's only 20. And he also, I don't know if I want to say not that it doesn't matter, because I kind of think it can. He's such a likable, charismatic, if he does become the face of the franchise for the next however long, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. And we talked a little bit about that in February and March. But now it's transla- translating into the regular season along with the talent. That's a that's a real positive thing for a bunch of reasons that go beyond just his caliber of play. Yeah, totally agree. Super awesome, and it's great to see him succeeding. He just hits the crap out of the ball. Just every single hard. Outer every hit, doesn't matter. Yeah, which is great. The Battle Hawks had a pretty incredible comeback on Saturday while the dogs were hit with a clean sheet I can't up believe in the Battle Hawks are ahead of the Masters. Uh, the Masters are right after it doesn't matter. It still means the Masters are after the Battle Hawks. All due respect. All due respect, of course. And, hey. all, and you know, all due respect means a lot. Trust me. I was, I was, I was hoping that that was going to be the case. I just, I've been in this situation before, and I've, I've seen. Sounds like you're kowtowing in fear of that Air Comfort Service text line, which you will be having to sift through to award Blues tickets to. Yeah, trust me. I, uh, if it was, if I was building it, but I thought that. Uh, other wow. folks, try don't don't have to ask me twice. The tradition, unlike any other, the Masters had a different path than usual to get to 72 holes. But by the last gleam of daylight, John Rahm continues his dominant and dominance and caps it off with a green jacket. What was your overall enjoyment level of this iteration of the Masters? How much of your enjoyment was soured by the weather and the lack of drama down the stretch? Do you have the Kepka bite that we played on TMA? I'll, I'll buy a little time. Uh, you do have it. You have the access to it. Okay. Uh, overall, uh, John Rahm winning the Masters, certainly not surprising. I follow golf quite intensely. Don't talk about it on this program all that much. Um, but I feel like the Masters is something that a lot of people watch, even if they're not regular viewers of the PGA or the Live Tour. So that wasn't particularly surprising that he won. I think it would have been majorly surprising if uh, Phil Mickelson would have won, and yet there he was on Sunday. And I spent a segment, which I rarely do, uh, last week on Mickelson specifically, and not necessarily about his his play per se, but just how sad he looked and how sad I thought that, that his press conference was. It wasn't even a press conference. He avoided the press conference. I thought, what a shame for somebody who next to Tiger Woods over the last quarter century is synonymous with the game, and he's been relegated to this. So, Rom winning, not all that surprising. Brooks Kepka competing, if you follow the game, not all that surprising. Uh, a great play from a gambling standpoint, from a daily fantasy standpoint, was Kepka. Kepka was, went off it. Uh, plus 4,000. I mean, 
that is that was a value play and it didn't work out but we aren't results oriented on the show we don't kink shame on the show and we're pro liberty yes. and those are the three tenets and we're working on a fourth we don't know if we're ever going to get there uh but but in an, in to me you take the, the the biggest story of this weekend number 1 and then 1A and I don't know which way you would order it Mickelson being in the mix and shooting a 65 on Sunday coming out of nowhere and and being the enemy for a lot of people with the PGA Tour to do what he did in the shape his game is in at the Masters and posting the lowest number ridiculous and I mean posting because Ron was still out on the on the course and then on the other side of it the guy who's been the face of the PGA Tour shooting a plus five that's not physical that's mental and that is problematic uh, Justin Thomas didn't make the cut because of the conditions, and that was out on Saturday morning. Rory McIlroy was already done, and that plus five was already posted. So McIlroy didn't have to deal with it like those guys did, and he was gone. And that, to me, for the favorite, is stunning. So if you're looking for the two biggest stories, that would be what I would say were the two biggest stories. John Rahm will probably win another Masters. He certainly will win more majors, and his game is is ridiculous off the tee, both with distance and accuracy. He's increased his strokes gained approach, uh, half stroke improvement from last year when he was outstanding, and his play around the green has improved a half stroke, strokes gained around the green, and his putting is even better too. So there is not a weakness in the game, and so therefore it was just a matter of Brooks Kepka faltering and Rom doing what he does, and he could have won it by more. He just played conservatively on the back nine, and uh, and and the proper champion was crowned, even though it wasn't necessarily all that thrilling in the in the final hour. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought. Uh, I mean, John Rom is any, like I'm trying to think of someone in recent memory who's been this hot. For this, like for Scotty Scheffler, yeah, I was thinking Spieth and Kepka and like Rory McIlroy back in 2014. But Rom is doing it in the way where it's like he's like upset if it's not a dominant victory. Like he is just unbelievable. And I agree. I think there's a lot more uh, majors and probably more green jackets in John Rom's future. Uh, I asked you for the Brooks Kepka thing. One of the things that stood out to me is if the thing would have gone to a playoff, there's no way they could have gotten it in, and that's because of how slow. The round was Brooks Kepka always very direct. Here is what he uh, had to say when he was asked about it. Brooks, uh, you, you're a pretty fast player, as we know. Just curious, your thoughts on the pace of play this afternoon? Yeah, that group in front of us was brutally slow. I mean, I don't think. I mean, John went to the bathroom like seven times during the round, and we were still waiting. So, <laughs> not excited about Patrick Cantlay. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't find him more amusing, even though I know he's not trying to be amusing. He's just so put off by the whole situation yeah. all the time. Even if he wins, he's not really particularly happy about it. Uh, that's Bruce Kepka on the pace of play. Patrick Cantlay and the amateur Sam Bennett were the two major culprits. Uh, Victor Hovland at one point didn't even wait for <laughs> Patrick Cantlay to cross uh, over a creek on 13 and just began the chipping process because he was getting irritated with it. It was something uh, to watch. So Kepka folds up shop. He's had a rough outing in his final rounds of, of majors when he's had a chance in the PGA in 19 at Beth Page and at Harding Park in 2020, the Colin Morikawa one. He's a hardcore killer, but he did slip up in the third round, hitting only 7 of 18 greens in regulation. And then yesterday was a debacle in the final round. He didn't birdie a hole until number 13, and he obviously had some missteps with the putter as well. So John Rahm capitalizing. Nobody really in the mix 
going into the final round, had a great round. Mickelson wasn't really in the mix, and that's why his incredible 65 wasn't enough to close in. John Rahm, your Masters winner. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. We're giving away tickets to the Blues and Stars to wrap up the season. Final home game. That's coming up, and Jackson will determine it along with Jeremy Rutherford at 1045. The second half of the Lil Piddles Monday weekend recap coming your way on the other side of the break. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungadas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you on the program, and we welcome you to get involved. Hell, we're giving away Blues tickets for the final home game on Wednesday. Uh, text in 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford going to be with us coming up at around 10.45. BK and Ferrario take over at 11 o'clock, talking Cardinals and Masters in the first segment. It's the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. Jackson, what is your next query for me? Sure. Another Masters question. Mm. Tiger Woods had the WD after being visibly hobbled walking around at Augusta. Very tough sight to see. Do you think is the, this is the beginning or possibly the end of the end for watching Tiger Woods attempt to chase down Jack's record of major victories? I don't think Tiger's even thinking that he's going to chase down Jack Nicklaus at this point. I'm not doing this to mock your question. I'm just telling you what I think his mindset is. I don't think he realistically thinks that he has any chance to do that. Um, and I appreciate that, actually. Uh, he, he recognizes, number one, his limited ability because of his injuries, and he recognizes the depth of talent. Um, as far as his withdrawal goes, it costs me money, and I'm unhappy about that, mm-hmm. and I would like him to uh, text in and apologize. Maybe we'll give him blues tickets for Wednesday night. But there was a bet, Jackson. And tell me what you think about this play. Mm. In between the Saturday morning completion of the second round and the start of the third round, you had about 90 minutes, and you could see the matchups. And Taylor Moore, who I wouldn't know if he walked in here, was minus 120 straight up against Tiger Woods. And I contacted my compadre, who's become a millionaire playing daily fantasy sports, and I knew he was in Las Vegas where he could always walk up to the counter and make more money. And I showed him a screenshot of the bet. And I said, should I unload basically everything I have on Taylor Moore? It's nothing against Tiger Woods, but I just know he's got to limp around in the cold and and try to shoot under 76. Now, Taylor Moore might shoot 76. He could happen. But I like my chances, and you rarely get that kind of action in sports where you feel that confident. It's based more on medical than it is on a, on a hunch or some kind of data that could hit 70% of the time but still leave you vulnerable 30% of the time. The problem is once Tiger withdrew, the bet was void, null and void. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We Had the video come out of him, there's a, a video that went all around social media of him No, that, that, that was in the third round. Okay, because that video first was one of the more sad things. I've said. It's brutal because it's plantar fasciitis, which is so brutal on your feet, on top of the leg injury he's already had from the car accident it's just like so hard to watch this legend who you can tell still has that competitive drive but is so limited by his physical ailments and it's really tough to see and you once you saw a video he can't walk another 
15 feet, let alone 27 holes. Right, right. So, yeah, at that point, yeah. But I, I, but you I agree. Knew that, but you knew that that yes. was coming, and that is why. And by the time that they teed off, it got to minus 155 because some other people had caught on going, oh, my God, this is right. priced wrong. It rarely is something priced that incorrectly. Uh, as it turned out, it was the right play. I knew it was the right play, but it but uh, it didn't pay because he withdrew. But uh, yeah, I think I think he will continue to play whenever he can, and I don't think he will find circumstances like that again. I mean, temperatures in the 40s and winds and rain like that at that golf course, which has so much uh, when it comes to walking because of the hilly landscape. I don't think you'll see that again. So I think he'll continue to play. I just don't know what is realistic to expect from him as far as a ceiling goes, especially with the depth of talent that's out there right now, along with the youth. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Battle Hawks had a pretty incredible comeback on Saturday. You reordered the Battle Hawks. Yeah. You moved yeah. them down in the lineup. It's a Audible. little shuffle. Just a little shuffle. This is the piddle shuffle. Right. Um, the Battle Hawks had a pretty incredible comeback on Saturday. Well, the Dogs were hit with a clean sheet and a 3 nothing loss in Seattle. What is your take on either game? And do you think St. Louis is still very invested in the play of both of these two new franchises? 35,000-plus at the Dome on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Yep. You know, it's one thing if it's March weather and it's crappy out and it's like, oh, you want to go get, you know, intoxicated outside of the dome and just yell at guys we've never heard of because we're mad at Stan Kroenke and we just have nothing to do. But when it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon and you got to go inside that thing, which was having lighting issues during the game, uh, I mean, that's commitment. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And you look Correct. at the attendance around the rest of the league and it's just nominal. Yeah. Holy crap. And then as far as the dogs go, I don't think that the phenomenon that is the dogs has all that much to do with their success to start the season. I think it's just the atmosphere and the enthusiasm for having a team. And the fact that they started off the way they started off was just a lovely little byproduct. So I actually don't see... I, I, I would say this. I think the overall, from the people who are beyond those who go to Battlehawks games, enthusiasm for Battlehawks is lower than at the start of the season, I think. Uh, I don't think the dogs has been impacted. No. And I think that... Let- I th- and I think part of that, Jackson, is when you see the dog, uh, not the dogs, the Battlehawks go on the road... You know, I mean, in particular, Las Vegas. (laughs) And you're like, wow, this is what I'm setting aside a couple hours, three hours to watch. And, you know, there's 100 people there that that, you know, might drive home. I think bigger picture. Is this thing going to be around long? Right. That's what I think people start to wonder. And so is it really that big of a deal if we have the best XFL team, if the XFL isn't long for the world? Right. And I'm wondering how long until that sets in. Even in here, because obviously the support has been awesome. But but I don't think people are going in either case because of the team. I think I think both atmospheres yeah. are fun. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. So it's it's not like oh man, I really hope AJ McCarron's healthy for the game against right, Seattle right. this weekend. Right. You know, it's hey, it's fun and it's football. And I like fun and football, so therefore I shall go. Yeah. And with the dogs, this is incredible. We have a team. The weather should be outstanding, hopefully, this week. And this week's weather in St. Louis is just ridiculous. And hopefully uh, that carries over. And you continue to have people just wanting to show up and being a part of what is a ridiculous atmosphere. Both places, man. Yeah. Both places. Totally. So yeah. I don't think it has as much to do with the, the product in the field and losing 3 nothing to Seattle or... You know, the, the, are you excited about the Battlehawks' chances to beat D.C. in the playoffs? I think it's about the atmosphere and the fun of going to both games. Sure. All right, final question. 
The Pirates and White Sox got into a bench-clearing brawl this weekend. Yeah, on the heels of the O'Neill Cruz slide. And that had me thinking about the new schedule change. Rarely would these two teams be playing each other in years gone by, but now a new rivalry has been born. Do you like the new schedule that has every team playing each other at some point, or would you prefer they go back to the schedule of old? My honest answer is I see it both ways, and I hate to say that because that's that's not that's not what Dan Orlovsky would do. No, and no. I try to I try to mimic what yeah. he does, yeah. <laughs> which is performance art. Uh, or as I watch Stephen A. Smith screaming at a confused Molly Quarum right now in the in our studio, yeah. uh, that that in one sense I'm like, yeah, this, the Blue Jays. We'd never see the Blue Jays in the home opener. Yeah. But that lineup's sick, and that was fun to see, as opposed to, like, the Pirates 30 different times. Agreed. On the other side of it, if indeed the Cardinals write the ship and they are competing for the division, and if the Brewers continue to linger uh, as they have to start the season, the Cardinals don't go back to whatever that thing is called in Milwaukee until the final road trip of the season. How about that? That's nuts. That's insane yeah. for what we're used to. Right. Now the trade-off is you look at some of these series that come to St. Louis and you go, man, they got the I think the Yankees are here Fourth of July, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah. the Dodgers following that. Uh, that I think it's probably better for the casual fan, which when it's all said and done is what baseball is looking to do. Certainly. But from a you want to see if you're competing for a division, like the division matters. I don't know if it matters all that much anymore. Uh, that. Man, to not be playing the team that you're probably going to be competing with for the National League Central in their building again until the final week of the season right. in their building. Again, they'll be here before then, but not in the Cardinals won't be in Milwaukee. That, that that it doesn't seem right, but I think at this point, once you did interleague play, the sanctity of the these two leagues don't play each other with the exception of the All-Star Game and the World Series has been lost. Free agency also played a role in that because growing up, you know, for me to see George Brett in St. Louis in the 1985 World Series, like, holy crap, it's George Brett. He's like this person from another land, even though he's four hours across the state. But now you see these guys all the time, and that started in 1997 with interleague play. So at this point, if you're not going to worry about that, then I guess have them play everybody. And, and that way, young people in particular get a chance to see Mike Trout, who yeah, they didn't 100%. get a chance to see. Yeah. And, and uh, Shohei Otani, who you didn't get a, you got a chance to see. So... Uh, from that standpoint, I like it. Yeah, to- I, I really like it just because I always found it odd that baseball plays by far the most games, yet sports like hockey and basketball would play it, every team at least once. You grew up right in at the beginning of interleague play, yeah. and so I think baseball was still trying to kind of hedge the what was truly. Sure. I mean, it was. I mean, you won the American League pennant by winning the division that was the American League. Now, that dates back before I was born. Uh, in the 1960s, and then they broke up into divisions, and there were just two divisions. The Cardinals were in the NL East, and then it became three divisions with a wild card, and now it's, you know, now it's becoming everybody come on in, and we'll play a best of three, and I know you lost two games, and you won 100 in the regular season, but you're out, (laughs) you know, so it's, you know, it's college basketball. All due respect to your sport. Yeah, it's you didn't that like hurt that. right there. But um, but like think about it, like Albert didn't come back to St. Louis till 2019, and like, he signed there for the 2012 <laughs> season. Right. So like it was kind of there's like a there's a decent. Well, I'm balance. saying they were trying they were trying to still I think pay homage in some sense to the sanctity of the National League American League thing. You had the DH in one league, you didn't yeah. have in the other. And I look back on it, it's like once you did interleague play, you might as well go all out because the way it started off was the National League Central and American League Central. And so we got a lot of Detroit Tigers and Minnesota Twins and 
Guardians, yeah. you know, and White Sox. Like and you're just year. going, well, you know, this isn't that great. And, <laughs> you know, they think the Yankees have only been here a couple times up until yeah. recently. So uh, I think now that they're doing it the way that they're doing it, I think that this is the way that ideally they would have done it a long time ago. But keep in mind the DH. Uh, is in both leagues for the first time here just over the last couple of years. It is 10.32 in St. Louis. Time for us to break. Jeremy Rutherford is at 10.45. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Jeremy Rutherford coming up in about 10 minutes here on the show. Don't forget, text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646 as Jackson will be unilaterally deciding who gets two tickets to the Blues and Dallas Stars Wednesday night, courtesy of 101 ESPN. Uh, Jackson, uh, how is the uh, how's the text inbox presented by Air Comfort Service looking for uh, your viewing pleasure? Do you see a, a leader in the clubhouse? Has somebody gone out and Phil Mickelson and post a 65 and said, hey, I think I'm going to win this thing? Uh, someone sent in a poem. Oh, I like a good poem. Is this a haiku? Is this, is this dark like Edgar Allan Poe? What, what, what do we have? Uh, all right, you want, I'll read it real quick. Jackson is poised. Tim is smarty, always delivering the best product. This has been the balloon party. By the way, go Tigers. Fight. Go. Go Tigers. I, for one, am shocked we got the Battlehawks and Dogs both in before artisanal powder wedged in a segment about the NBA draft lotto odds. I might be the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, that would, that, if, if I had a vote, and I know I don't. You do not. If I had a vote, that would be where my vote would be. Anything else? Uh, I know most of them are complimentary, encouraging, certainly nothing to do with your 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 lack of skin skin tone or right, my yeah. lack of hair or right, right. height. Although people should see these new lifts I have. These things yeah, are... You look, I, yeah, it's like I'm wearing stilettos. Yeah, I know. I'm wearing stilettos. Um Someone just said, who cares? I don't know what that's in reference to. Well, but... it could be really about anything. Yeah. Um, some more rhymes that are just not for... FCC violations, most likely. All right, hey, uh, we have JR coming up, and I wanted to make sure we talked about Jordan Walker because, yes, the season's off to a rough start, and unfortunately, similar to the Blues and Perron, people are saying, hey, I'm worried about the Blues not having Perron, and then the Blues don't have Perron, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, people going into the Cardinals season are like... Yeah, the lineup might be much improved with Contreras in there and Jordan Walker, but are they going to be able to get people out with the starting staff? And now you have nine games in, you're going, oh my God, the starting staff, minus Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty doing a high wire act with his base on ball situation. So I am going to just talk about one thing that is encouraging. We touched on it in the first segment, and that is uh, Jordan Walker. But to go into more detail on what he is doing, 
Uh, this is absurd to start a career. First off, he's 20 years old. Secondly, he is a rookie. And third, he hits the hell out of the baseball. I feel like, I know it's not every time, but God, I feel like it's four out of five times. Oh, it's I think he leads the majors in balls hit over 100 miles per it hour. It is absurd. And he's 20. And it, 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 I don't want to say it shouldn't matter, but I think it's a great thing for baseball and in particular in St. Louis, if you have somebody who becomes a face of the franchise, who has a hell of a work ethic, who is charismatic, who loves playing the game, enjoys it, I think that's a real positive thing. It's both for the game and also for St. Louis. Here's Ali Marmol talking about Jordan Walker and the start to the season that he has had. I, how special a hitter do you have to be to be 20 years old and to be able to just do your thing and this is what it looks like for a weekend? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the reason we... We were comfortable with bringing him is because you start to see uh, flashes of that, like just his ability to not speed up, and that's why you never hopes like to see someone struggle. But it's good to see him things not go his way towards the end of spring training, just to see how he reacts to it, because that's the last thing you're trying to check as far as the box goes. Like, is he able to handle those situations and, and get through it without speeding up? And he did a nice job with it during spring training. And and I and I think that that's an important little piece of information. And I was worried about his shoulder. Right. And after he had slid into second base against the uh, Astros at their ballpark a few weeks ago, he just wasn't the same guy. And I just was like, that could be a real problem. This really sucks with all the talent this guy has, all the potential he has. And now he's got a shoulder and shoulders can linger throughout a career. Um, But here he comes in. And as Ali Marmol said, you know, he had adversity. He checks that box and he is raking for the Cardinals. Only one player on the Cardinals with a higher OPS. And it's not who you would think. At least I don't think on the outside looking in. If you follow the team daily, you would go, oh, yeah, Nolan Gorman. I think most people go, Nolan Arnato, Paul Goldschmidt. Sure. No, it's it's Nolan Gorman. Uh, Freddie Peralta was the starter for the Brewers yesterday, and uh, he said uh, when he walked in the batter's box, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's yeah. huge. I mean, physically imposing, yeah. for sure. 6'5", 250. Yeah, and 20. And also, you know, as Garrett Cole said, when, when he faced him at spring training, when the Cardinals went on to the, over to the Yankees' side of the state, uh, he's like, I got him out with one pitch, and then to his credit, he adjusted, and I couldn't get him with that same pitch the next at bat. And then he ripped one up the, the middle on me. I mean, it is a, an incredibly exciting thing. And, and when it's all said and done... And by no means am I a guy who will go, yeah, let me give you a positive perspective on something, ever, on anything. It does not matter. I always tell you what I think. And unfortunately for me, most of the time, it isn't really upbeat. But in this particular case, I, I think that there is, I don't want to say there's reason for optimism because you still have to pitch in order to win games. But I do think the power numbers are going to be there for Goldschmidt and Arnado when it's all said and done. I don't imagine Tommy Edmonds going to continue at this pace. But you do have an outfielder in Jordan Walker who is 20 years old, who is hitting the hell out of the ball, and who's doing it against, at the very least, three potential playoff contenders, and certainly two. And now he's going to get a chance to hit in Coors Field, get a chance to get four games against the Pittsburgh Pirates at Bush Stadium with the weather, at least for the first few games, being optimal. That is a great set of circumstances, and not just in the short term, but long term. You know, I have a a five-year-old son and a one-year-old son, and this is somebody that those two, along with hundreds of thousands of other young St. Louis Cardinal fans, 
could wind up identifying with the rest of their lives because he could be not only this great ball player for a long period of time, but also this Adam Wainwright-like personality along with having the talent. So yes, it sucks that they're three and six, and there are real reasons for concern when it comes to the starting staff. But if you want something to hold on to that could help play a role in turning it around quickly, certainly not pitching-wise, but overall, and could be around for a long time, it's Jordan Walker, 20 years old, and what he is doing, which is indeed historic. Jeremy Rutherford joins us in the next segment as we talk about the Blues with JR. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. It is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson. And ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the program final appearance of the year. Is this an emotional farewell? I'm sad. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. I am. I love JR. Jeremy Rutherford, I think that was facetious because Jackson would like to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference. And JR, I'd like to apologize on behalf of everyone associated with Balloon Party. <laughs> You've been doing that all season, huh? Yeah, I have, ever since, ever since the show went on the air. Uh, <laughs> Jackson just threw up his hand. Are you mad at me? Come here. Oh, not at you. <laughs> I got a, a system here that's not, not working right, and it's getting on my nerves. I was going to ask you to come in for a hug. Oh, well, that's so sweet. Yeah. Maybe after the show, but no, I oh, just got it's gotta... so hot. That's so hot. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, think about it. Uh, J.R. Uh, Jackson is uh, saying that he was sincere. We enjoy the appearances. I want to ask you a couple questions, uh, and, then I, and then I know that you attended the Battle Hawks game, and uh, you have a first-person person perspective on the festivities <laughs> at the game when you could see it when the lighting was working. Um First off, number one, uh, from from one of my compadres who uh, oftentimes sends in some outstanding questions, uh, your opinion on what the Blues are planning on doing with some of the young players here going forward since at this point uh the season is is wrapping up and you know it's 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 fizzling its way out uh let's start off with uh, jimmy snuggerud what are you uh thinking they are thinking and what do you think the short-term and long-term plans are regarding uh snuggerud yeah snuggerud the first round pick from last year he just uh, unfortunately for him the minnesota golden gophers lost in the championship game quinnipiac uh, got him jackson did you know that i bet you didn't know that I, 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 I thought that was a high school thing. <laughs> he was caught up in what the uh, Dallas Mavericks were doing. Yeah, now. this Maverick yeah, situation. The world. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like with uh, Snuggerud, I talked to Tim Taylor, who's in charge of uh, both Blues player development and also uh, at the pro level. He uh, he said that he'd, he he thinks that it would probably be best, Tim, for Snuggerud to stay at Minnesota for another year. Started off the season real hot, played real well, probably played – better than uh, the team expected and, and where they drafted him in the draft, uh, the way he was playing with that Gophers team. Uh, but in terms of development, in terms of what's best for him, probably would go back to Minnesota. So I don't, don't expect to see us signing with him. But uh, if he does go back to Minnesota for one more year, I think that we'd probably see him the following season. That's just a gut feeling right now as we look at it. What about Zach Bolduc? Yeah, I think that we'll see him turn pro uh, when his season is, uh, is over. He will uh, potentially join 
Springfield, and I think it's a situation where regardless of what happens here down the stretch, he's going to be uh, in camp next year, a chance to make the team, and if he doesn't, he'll play next year in Springfield. And then with with regards to next season, I mean, Doug Armstrong was as point-blank blunt as he could be when asked about what the Blues can do this offseason to try to right the ship with his trade deadline press conference following all of the stars making their ways to uh, the Eastern Conference. Uh, do you think we're going to see a youth movement uh, next year in, in some capacity, even though we've seen some excitement here toward the end of the season with uh, with Vrana and Kapanen and Neighbors and Torpchenko at a nice goal against the Rangers on Thursday night? Uh, what, what do you think we're going to see next year? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a youth movement in terms of all of a sudden there's going to be three players, you know, in the top six, young guys, uh, you know, neighbors playing top line, and then two young guys in the third pair of defense. I don't think it's going to be a situation like that. I think two things point to that. One is we've talked about all these contracts of these guys like Justin Falk, Brent, uh, Braden Shen, uh, Tory Krug. You can't just go to a youth movement. These guys are just going to get older in the next couple of years. Uh, you got to at least try to be competitive. I think that's Doug Armstrong's nature. I think he's going to try to – uh, fit in whichever young players show that they can be part of that contending team. And it might be a Jake Neighbors. It might be a, a Tyler Tucker. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see them throw Zach Bolduc into the lineup next year just to get him going. I think uh, you're going to have to be up to snuff to play on this team next year, I think. And uh, and finally, uh, you uh, did attend the Battlehawks overtime victory. And you were there with your son, who had a day with his own cup. I saw here recently. How about that, Jackson? Very cool. Yeah. Um, what uh, What was your observation or observations from the festivities? 35,000-plus on a beautiful day. I'm telling you, Tim. Uh, so a friend of mine asked about a month ago, hey, you want to go to a Battlehawks game, take the kids. So uh, we did. We went down there. Uh, I thought it was a blast. And, and, hey, listen, I've been prefacing saying this uh, every time I have over the years. I'm from Jefferson County, so when I make this Jefferson County joke, I'm talking about myself, not about you. I think that uh, the lower bowl was packed. There were 35,000 people there, and Jefferson County was empty on Saturday during the game because that, that was uh, that was my people down there. and It was a good time, and i got to tell you this, Tim, people got into it. Like It wasn't just a situation where just to go to say you win or something like that. I'm telling you, everybody around me, if they made a tackle to stop a third and long, this this place erupted, and it was a big deal. There were people around me talking, uh, well, who's this backup quarterback? McCarron's out. What's wrong with McCarron? When's he coming back? They were getting into it. So quite the atmosphere. But the last thing I'll tell you here is I had no idea what the rules were in overtime. This game goes to overtime, and I'm just looking at the people around me like, what the heck are they going to do here? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I've ever been a two-week sporting event where I did not know the rules, and I had no idea what was coming up next. Jackson actually fun. felt that way when he went to the Blues and Rangers game on Thursday night. So you guys you guys had that similar experience. Jackson looking at me like, I can't believe you just did that to me. No, I mean, I think people know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's out. <laughs> I just kept looking at it and saying, boy, this just isn't it for me. <laughs> God almighty. Uh, yeah, man, it's amazing. That's what I was saying at the beginning of the show or whenever Jackson asked me about the Battlehawks is that it's. I don't think it's necessarily about, oh, I hope this team can beat D.C. and win the championship. I think it's just people are having fun at the games and they enjoy football, and that's what it's about. It's not necessarily about anything other than, hey, it's just a good time, and you can enjoy a libation or two and enjoy football and you know maybe feel nostalgic for 
be in that building when you're watching Super Bowl champion teams play? I don't know. But uh, the atmosphere in there is unlike anything else in the XFL, which probably isn't good for the XFL that nobody else has that, but uh, they certainly have it at at the Dome. I definitely agree with you on that point. I know I said that they were kind of into the game, and uh, but I got to be honest, like I didn't know a player on the field. Once I saw McCarron wasn't playing, I was like, okay, go John Doe, let's go. John <laughs> Doe. But yeah, but definitely, definitely party atmosphere. I saw a bunch of Crocky Sucks shirts. I think when they pulled it out in overtime, there was a Crocky Sucks chant. So uh, you know, believe it or not, that's still going on. For sure. And a good atmosphere outside the the dome too. Yeah. Like tonight, Yep. When we all covered the Rams, like I was in the, the dome like at 10 a.m. for a noon game and we were up in the press box, so we didn't get to see what was going on. But there was good tailgating and good stuff going on outside. My little guy got his face painted and uh, a good time. So, you know, if people are driving around wondering, should I go down there? I think it was worth it. I, we had a good time. It's an un, it's, it's been compared. I can't recall, recall who we had on. I think it was on TMA uh, talking about the atmosphere and how an executive with the XFL said it reminds them of the Buffalo Bills uh, tailgates that it's just got that kind of atmosphere to it so it's it's pretty incredible with oh no it was uh tom hart who called yeah, the game on espn he's a missouri guy yeah. and he was saying man this is unbelievable what's going on in st louis with it jr always enjoy the conversations thank you so much for the time this morning fine sir yeah 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 so i don't know that i'd get the tattoo yet but i would go to a game if i were there it is no tattoo yet recommendation on attending a game. Jeremy Rutherford with us here. Thank you, JR. Thanks, JR. Uh, Jackson, we're giving away tickets to the Blues and the Stars. Final home game. This is courtesy of 101 ESPN. You have unilateral control over which text gets the win. What do we have? Yep, and I picked the text that you had a vote in saying that you oh, enjoy. Wow. All right, this is read. Brad in St. Louis saying, I, for one, am shocked we got to the Battle Hawks and Dogs before, uh, both in before artisanal powder Way wedged in a segment about the NBA draft lotto odds, which go. I wanted to do, but I guess. And he was grateful that you did yeah. not do that, and it's you an, talked dogs and you talked battle hawks. It's an evergreen topic. We can talk about it tomorrow. That's right, I and mean, we will probably hit it hard tomorrow when Chris Kerber joins us. All right, time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are coming up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mung and S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.